Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Back that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Canada EHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And if you're a fan of Canadian History X, make sure you check out my other shows, From John to Justin and Canada, A Yearly Journey. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. It helps keep this show going. Alright, on with the show. Today's episode is one of the spookiest of the year. It's the story behind one of the wildest and strangest and most beloved TV shows to ever air on Canadian television. It lasted one season, but it was beloved by children and the college crowd alike. The show was a psychedelic experience of education and off-the-wall fun, combined with a horror film icon, Albert Einstein's friend, and one of the most versatile and gifted comedians the Great White North has ever produced. I'm Craig Baird, this is Canadian History X, and today I'm going to take you to the hilarious House of Frightenstein. Each episode of the hilarious House of Frightenstein began with his haunting voice reading a poem which continued like this, For if he solves the monster mania, he can return to Transylvania. So welcome where the sun won't shine to the castle of Count Frightenstein. The episode would then normally go on to show Count Frightenstein's efforts to revive Brucey J. Monster, a Frankenstein-like monster, but the story behind Frightenstein begins with Riff Markowitz. Born in New York City in 1938, he was raised in Toronto where he got bit by the showbiz bug at an early age. When he was 15 years old, he left home to work as a clown for a year. Then he secured a job as a radio announcer on CJKL in Kirkland Lake, Ontario. And by the late 1960s, he had moved over to CHCH-TV in Hamilton. There he wanted to produce new TV shows for the station as it made its first foray into syndication. Much like in 1816 when Mary Shelley, her companions Percy Shelley and Lord Byron had a competition to see who could write the best horror story, to develop his TV show concept, Riff invited creative friends to what he called a brainstorming and spaghetti party at the Windsor Arms Hotel in Toronto. And from his hotel suite, the idea for a children's show emerged. It would be set in a vampire's castle, full of weird characters that would teach children science, grammar, and music. The show would be described as 75% fun and 25% educational as it blended psychedelics and surreal visuals with classic slapstick humor. The episodes would revolve around Count Frightenstein, the 13th son of Count Dracula who preferred pizza over blood and, as I mentioned earlier, would often attempt to revive Brucey e. J. Monster, the Frankenstein-like monster, and the show would be made up of sketches. Only a few, including the first sketch of each episode, 
would directly address the main premise itself while most others depicted unrelated going-ons around the castle. Now CHCHTV loved the concept and approved it and with $500,000 budget, production began. The first step was to assemble a ragtag gang of actors and to generate ad revenue from the lucrative Toronto market by bringing in a large audience and the producers needed a big name, preferably somebody in the horror genre who could lend gravitas and credibility to the show. Enter in Vincent Price. Born Vincent Leonard Price on May 27, 1911 in St. Louis, Missouri, he was the youngest of four children and started his career as a character actor in the late 1930s and early 1940s. But it didn't take long for him to venture into horror, where he'd become a legend. In 1939, he played the Duke of Clarence in the horror film Tower of London. One year later, he played the Invisible Man in The Invisible Man Returns. And by the 1950s, he was a bona fide horror star with films such as House of Wax in 1953, The Fly in 1958, and then The Return of the Fly and House on Haunted Hill in 1959. From 1960 to 1964, he acted in seven film adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe movies, including the box office hit The House of Usher. As the decade went on, Price moved into B-movies while guest acting on various television programs. Then, in 1970, he was offered to play the role of the narrator on a new children's show in Canada. And Price had been wanting to do something that his kids could watch, so he agreed. The role was that of the ghoulish narrator who typically appeared in each episode four to eight times to introduce sketches of nearly all the characters while mixing in some poems as himself. According to the crew, Price got into makeup and costume, read his segment lines to himself, put his head down, and then looked up and nailed his scenes in one take. Once done, he was back to makeup and wardrobe, and he repeated the entire process over again as he filmed 400 segments in four days. John Bradford, a camera operator on the show, said of Price, Of the hundreds of celebrities I've met in the biz, Vincent Price will always be my favorite as a result of this show. According to Bradford, at one point during a long shoot, Price suddenly left without any explanation. He returned about a half hour later with a cab driver carrying several cases of beer. He then sat down with the entire crew and told them stories from his career. And once he had finished filming all his segments, he took pictures with every single crew member and signed each of the photos before he left. And for his time on the show, he earned $13,000. gorillas at the zany zoo will shake their bars and shout we wish to leave this wretched place won't someone let us out as the narrator price served as the glue that held the sketch show together and offered cohesion as count frightenstein and supporting characters were played by billy van except for a few like the professor who was played by julius sumner miller Miller began hosting educational programs in 1959 with Why Is It So on KNXT out of Los Angeles. From 1962 to 1964, he was Professor Wonderful on The Mickey Mouse Club. On television, Miller showed an enthusiasm that was not often associated with serious science and if you thought he was just an actor, well, you couldn't be more wrong. This guy, he had some serious credentials. In 1933, he earned a master's degree in physics from Boston University. Four years later, he submitted over 700 job applications for physics jobs and was offered a position in the physics department of Dillard University in New Orleans. 
During the Second World War, he worked as a civilian physicist for the U.S. Army Signal Corps. In 1950, he won a Carnegie grant which allowed him to visit Albert Einstein at his home in Princeton, New Jersey, where the two became friends. In 1952, he joined the physics department at El Camino College in California, where he would remain for the next two decades. So yeah, before there was Bill Nye the Science Guy, there was this guy, and he knew what he was talking about. How do you do, my friends everywhere, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, and children, and men and women, and people? I am Professor Julius Sumner Miller, and physics is my business. As Professor Miller filmed all of his segments over the course of the summer, as I mentioned earlier, he often played opposite the powerhouse actor cast to bring most of the other characters to life, Billy Van. Born William Allen Van Evera on August 11, 1934, Billy Van began to tour North America with his brothers as the singing act, the Van Evera Brothers. He then took on the stage name Billy Van and forged out on his own in the Billy Van Four and later the Billy Van Singers. In 1963, Billy gained national attention performing on the CBC satire program Nightcap. The Globe and Mail called him the most talented variety performer ever developed by the national broadcaster, but regardless of his talent, the show was cancelled in 1967, but only four years later, Billy returned to the screen to delight Canadian children as Count Frightenstein and many others. On the hilarious House of Frightenstein, Billy played the title character in The Black Sheep of the Dracula Family. Now, Count Frightenstein's inventions were either dangerous, useless, or already existed as common household objects. The Count was always joined by his incompetent assistant Igor, played by Fishka Reis, an actor from South Africa who had only appeared in one movie, Tokoloshi, in 1965. I pledge by the sign of the Three-Toed Sloth that I will do my best to do my duty, to always obey the laws of the werewolf pack, and to never rest until Brucey leaves once more and takes his rightful place in the annals of distinguished monsters. Originally, the Count was going to be played by Guy Big, a three-foot-tall little person, to create a stark contrast in height between the tall Igor and the short Count. Guy Big originally worked as a social worker and had no acting experience before the hilarious House of Frightenstein. Unfortunately, Guy Big didn't have enough acting experience, obviously, and had trouble with Count Frightenstein's accent, so he was given the role of the mini-Count on the show, while Billy Van took on the title role. The mini-count is a three-foot-tall clone of the Count who appears in brief sketches and tells a joke. Along with Count Frightenstein, Billy played the Wolfman, a werewolf disc jockey who spun rock and roll records while sounding like Wolfman Jack, a famous radio DJ from that era. The segment featured hit signals by the Rolling Stones, Sly and the Family Stone, Three Dog Night, and were referred to as Golden Oldies as they played. The Wolfman and Igor then danced in silhouette against a psychedelic background. I'll add links to my favorite segments from YouTube in my show notes because I absolutely love them. In fact, one of my favorite shirts features a silhouette of the Wolfman and Igor dancing. The Count and the Wolfman were but two characters Billy played. There were many others, including the Singing Soldier, a palace guard who always got a pie in the face when he tried to sing. And then there was the Grammar Slammer. This is the Grammar Slammer here again, oh, ready hello. to hammer in some grammar with the help of the Grammar Slammer Bammer. Aye, good Bammer. Whatever you say, you can be. Now, isn't that nice? Igor, appreciate your talent, Grammar Slammer Bammer. Billy Van's disembodied voice would challenge Igor to correct grammatical errors. 
The Grammar Slammer would always be joined by Bammer, a large purple monster who threatened to beat up Igor if he failed. Then there was Dr. Pet Vet, a veterinarian that taught about domesticated animals rather than exotic animals and always gave the animal to Igor as a pet. Parodying Julia Child, a famous celebrity cook in the 1970s, Billy portrayed Griselda the Ghastly Gourmet. The character always cooked horrible recipes in her cauldron, and at least once per segment she banged her head on a pot above the cauldron as her concoction nearly always exploded. Then there was the librarian, an elderly curmudgeon who believed regular children's stories like Humpty Dumpty and Henny Penny are horror stories, and so he fails to scare children, but he believes the stories are important nonetheless. Billy was a highly gifted character actor, stating later in life, I don't do stand-up. I prefer to do characters. I'm not sure if fear is the reason for burying myself in characters. In the hilarious House of Frightenstein, Billy Van played a total of 10 characters, including the Oracle and the Maharashi, two characters that unfortunately have not aged well because of the use of brown and yellow face. Working alongside the tireless Billy Van was Joe Torbay, a puppeteer from Waterloo who manned Harvey Wallbanger, a puppet playing the postmaster of Castle Frightenstein's dead letter office. He typically appeared in sketches with Count Frightenstein or Griselda. Then there was Gronk, a purple sea serpent puppet that interacted with the Count and the Wolfman. He loudly announced his presence by yelling, Gronk. Typically the Count would read him a book only to be constantly interrupted about the book as Gronk drew the wrong conclusion about what the book was about. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Wrong. They were at war with France. France? Now this was 150 sure. years ago, do you see? Sure. Now, the man in charge of the British fleet was... Well, Admiral Rupert Gronk. Admiral Rupert Gronk. No. Sure. No. No. Along with the puppets, Billy Van was joined by Mitch Markowitz, who portrayed Super Hippie, a hippie in a superhero costume with a large blonde afro who urged viewers not to change the channel as the show went in and out of commercials. Since Billy Van appeared in nearly every sketch, the entire production was shot around him. For a few days, Billy was Count Frightenstein. Then, for a few days, he was into a new costume and makeup, introducing music as the Wolfman. This continued for weeks on end as Billy Van brought the castle's characters to life. Puppeteer Joe Tornbay said, He was a joy to work with. Both cast and crew adored him, looking forward to the breaks and taping to hear as many jokes and anecdotes told as only he could tell them. In all, 130 episodes were produced in a single camera format running at 48 minutes, and each one beginning with the haunting poem by Vincent Price. That would lead to Count Frightenstein and Igor trying to revive Brucey e. J. Monster, and then things would move through the sketches that rarely address the overall premise of the show. Only the Count and Igor appeared in the main plot sketches, which involved reviving Brucey, however they would appear in other sketches with other characters. And nearly all of the dialogue in the sketches was completely improvised. But if a script was needed, they were typically written by Riff Markowitz as well as Paul Willis and Michael Boncourt. The last two had a lot of experience in sketch comedy and experience working with Riff because they three worked together on Party Game, 
a popular sketch show in the late 1960s. At the end of each episode of the hilarious House of Frightenstein, a different character would say, The show is definitely over. The show only ran for 9 months, producing that first 130 episode run. If you grew up in the same part of Canada I did, then you may have watched the hilarious House of Frightenstein in the morning, typically on a Saturday. In some other cities, it aired after school. But regardless of where you watched it, you'd be surprised by what you saw. Bob Shields, a columnist with the Calgary Herald, said, One of the more remarkable phenomena this season has turned out to be an elaborate oddity called the hilarious House of Frightenstein. The show also did well in ratings. While I don't have nationwide ratings, in places like Calgary it drew upwards of 35,000 viewers during its time slot. And among all those viewers, only two complaints came in stating that the show was too scary for children. Now, in the United States, it was a whole different demographic that enjoyed the show. The show quickly became popular with the college crowd when it was cut into 30-minute segments that aired at night. For those recreationally enjoying an altered state of consciousness, it was simply the perfect thing to watch. The psychedelic segments featuring the Wolfman and the top music of the day were especially popular and often drew higher ratings than The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Camera operator John Bradford said, The story we heard was that it practically cleared the streets of New York of soft drug users so that they could freak out on the Wolfman segments. The show also made an impression on a young Canadian named Mike Myers. He wrote in his book, Canada, I used to watch this show after school and it had a big influence on me. And after the show ended, it remained in reruns for decades. It even made it onto streamers for a while on Crave TV in Canada, and now you can find some bootleg episodes on YouTube or on the streaming service Tubi. In 2019, Return to Frightenstein, an audio production was released featuring the surviving cast. Actor Malcolm McDowell took on the role of the narrator, made famous by Vincent Price. But what happened to everyone involved with the show? Riff Markowitz went on to produce The Wolfman Jack Show, which aired in the 1970s, and he created the 1980s HBO horror TV series The Hitchhiker. Today he lives a retired life in Palm Springs. Fishka Race, who played Igor, sadly died in 1974. Guy Big appeared in guest roles on The Tommy Hunter Show and The King of Kensington, but died of throat cancer in 1978. Julius Sumner Miller, the professor, created The Professor and the Inquiring Minds in 1974, which aired on seven networks in Australia and became quite popular, so much so that he became a spokesperson for Cadbury Chocolates in that country in the 1980s. He also became a regular guest on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Sadly, Miller was diagnosed with leukemia in February 1987 and died on April 14, 1987. Vincent Price cemented his legacy as an icon following Frightenstein. His career was given new life when he narrated Michael Jackson's Thriller in 1984. The massive success of the song helped launch Price back into the public view, and he continued to act throughout the 1980s, including in The Great Mouse Detective. His last role was that of the inventor in Edward Scissorhands in 1990. He died of lung cancer in 1993. But what about the man who made the hilarious House of Frightenstein come alive? As his fame grew, Billy Van briefly moved to the United States in the 1970s. He decided that he preferred living in Canada because when he was in New York he saw a man get shot in front of him, then in Los Angeles his home was broken into, 
twice. When he returned to Canada, his wife said, he was quite happy to be back. He had the taste of life down there and said, okay, that's fine, I'd rather be at home. But he made appearances in many American productions throughout the 1970s, including the Sonny and Cher comedy hour. In the early 1980s, he narrated the animated show Eureka, which taught children about physics and chemistry. He also occasionally appeared on the sketch comedy show Bizarre, which aired on CTV from 1980 to 1986. In 1997, he wrote his autobiography, Second Banana, which was eventually published online in 2018. In 2000, he supported the creation of the Canadian Comedy Awards and appeared in many promotional materials, but shortly after, in December 2001, he was diagnosed with cancer. He died on January 8, 2003 in Toronto. At the time of his death, his picture was hanging on the Canadian Comedy Wall of Fame at CBC Toronto's headquarters, along with other comedy icons such as Al Waxman and Wayne and & Schuster. And in 2023, he was nominated for induction into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. And as of this recording, it's not known if he was chosen for induction. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look at the hilarious House of Frightenstein. Next week, a very important episode for me, I'm looking at the life of Pierre Burton. Information from Frightenstein.com, IMDB, Stain Online, Wikipedia, Daily Dead, CBC, Harbor City Star, The Calgary Alberta, The Calgary Herald, and The North Bay Nugget. This show is researched, produced, and written by me, Craig Baird, with the help of Dila Velasquez. Audio production design by Rosalind Kufor. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many for you to sink your teeth into. If you enjoy this podcast, then please check out my other podcasts, From John to Justin, Canada, A Yearly Journey, Pucks and Cups, and Canada's Great War. We love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com, or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those in my show notes. Until next time, I'm Craig Baird, and this is Canadian History X.